What is up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Matrix Unlocked. In today's episode, I get to sit down with the one and only Ben Levitt. He's a Canadian entrepreneur, a social media expert, a YouTuber with over 55,000 subscribers on YouTube and he's growing really, really quickly. He has over 8,000 followers on Instagram and he also runs a marketing agency called Bunny Media Group. So without any further tearing, let's get into this episode. So welcome to Matrix Unlocked. And uh, before we begin, I'd like you to introduce yourself to my audience about what you basically do and how it is that you're impacting other people's lives. Yeah, for sure. First of all, thanks for having me and thanks for everyone who's listening to this. I am uh, Ben Levitt. I'm a Canadian YouTuber and social media strategist, and I run an agency, a social media agency called Bunny Media, where I help brands and businesses and some personal brands best leverage social media from a strategy perspective, as well as an execution one uh, from a paid and organic perspective. So um, organic content or paid reach. And then uh, on my YouTube channel, I post a lot of free content on there to help educate others and how they can best leverage social media to do whatever it is they're trying to do. That's a big thing. That's kind of my MO is just to help others do their things as best as possible. And I do that for free over on YouTube and then over on Instagram too. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to hear from you. And uh, the first thing that I want to know is, as you just mentioned that you run a marketing uh, agency called Bunny Media and you are a YouTuber as well as you post content. Uh, so you've got somewhere around like 55,000, 54, 55,000 subscribers on YouTube and uh, somewhere around 8,000 followers on Instagram. So before you got into the social media game, what was it that you were doing? And did you even think that you were going to get into the social media game? So it's a great question. Previously, I was in school. Um, so mm -hmm. if you had spoke to me five, six years ago, I was still playing football at the time. And that's where I that's really why I went to university was because I wanted to continue playing football. Uh, I, I'm not a huge believer in university for most programs. Like I think a lot of them are, are far overpriced for what you get in return. And to be honest, I took one of those courses that I would feel as a ripoff, to be honest, but I, I only took it because my parents really wanted me to go to university. Mm -hmm. And two, I really wanted to play football. And that was the only way to continue playing was to go to school. So I went there, I was in the business program there because from a young age, I was always the business kid. I was buying, flipping yeah. things, starting different businesses. Yeah. That was just who I was. So uh, I knew that if you could have asked me if I was going to go to school, you could have told me, you could have asked me when I was 10 and I would have said, I'm going to be in business. It was just one of those things. My yeah. parents knew that. I knew that. It was, uh, that's what it was. So I went and then uh, while there, while playing football, I, I incurred a lot of injuries. So my football career was cut pretty short, but mm -hmm. I was in the internship program at school. And so what that meant is I had the opportunity to go work for businesses in the surrounding community to really get some real work experience in the marketing field. And when I did that every single time, because I was young and I was in school, they assumed that I was some social media whiz kid and yeah. we were never taught any of this stuff in school. So there was a yeah. huge disconnect there in terms of what people wanted versus what was actually being taught in schools. And I identified that pretty early on And after a few difficult internships, I then kind of made it my mission to become that expert, if you will. And it really started with um, me just getting off the sidelines. I had been a long time consumer of social media content, but I always knew that I, I wanted to get involved, but I was like, ah, yeah. how, or why would anybody care about this kid from Canada? Right? Like what, what, why am I special? Why am I unique? Why would people care? And so I originally started when I, when I had one of my football injuries, I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go in there and try. And then through doing that, I made videos that very quickly got like tens of thousands of views very, very yeah. quickly. Uh, because I spent so much time figuring out how these things worked and I became obsessed with 
how all this stuff worked. And because it was so confusing to so many other people, the fact mm -hmm. that it came easy to me was a real light bulb moment that I should really double down and invest into this stuff. So that's yeah. a long-winded answer of how I got into the world of social. It's kind of a kind of by accident, kind of not. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Yeah. So uh, I I just like to uh, follow up with you on uh, the YouTube thing because you're you're big on YouTube. You've got like uh, fifty-five thousand subscribers. So when when you say that uh, it came natural, content creation came natural to you, and you got uh, really really. Um, you got in really, really quickly. So for people who want to start their YouTube channel right now in 2020, do you think the opportunity is same as it were like two, three years ago? Or do you think they need to do something creative and something special to actually stand out? Because right now in 2020, the organic reach is decreasing and uh, the, uh, the because they're promoting their advertising platform. So it is what it is, but I'd like to hear your uh, uh, thoughts. Yes. So I would say the opportunities is pretty well identical to when I started two or three years ago. The only thing I would say is if you had started like seven or eight years ago, I'd say the early movers advantage was still very present there. And yeah. a lot of people built up huge names and brands for themselves back then, because if you just did it period, it worked. Now you do need to be decently good or willing to become good, but there's still always an opportunity. There will always be an opportunity on YouTube, 110%. And there'll always be an opportunity because it is a search engine and it's something that yes. you can learn how it operates and better leverage it. The, the issue is, and I say this to so many people I speak to, is that 95, if not more, percent of the people that start YouTube don't take the time to learn how YouTube works. So they spend all this time making a video, they spend all this time editing it, they post it, no one sees it, they get discouraged, they stop. That cycle yes. happens over and over and over and over again. I know so many friends or people that I know, peers that started a YouTube channel and then a week later it's gone or they never posted another video. And that's the, that's the case. So if you're willing to actually put in the time and effort and remain consistent, there will always be an opportunity for you to grow on YouTube. And YouTube is probably my favorite platform because of the relationship that it allows you to create. There's nothing more personal than like one-to-one -one interaction. And you basically simulate mm -hmm. that through a video. The people know you. It's crazy. When people reach out to me, they know me pretty well. And, and I'm trying to actually build on that too. I'd love to incorporate yeah. more of myself into more of these videos, but I would say that, that that's where you can be unique is in your ability to understand how things work. And then also incorporating just regular storytelling, like effective storytelling mm -hmm. is, is very, very important. So when you can combine that with effective strategy and good information mm -hmm. or, or good value, whether it be comedy, information, whatever, mm -hmm. that's gonna be the ticket and there will always be a chance on YouTube. So if your YouTube channel is not growing, it's either a content problem, like it's not valuable enough content yes. in whatever you're doing, or you're just not putting in the effort to actually learn how it works. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So I'll quickly go back to uh, talking about your marketing agency. When, when did you exactly start the agency? And did, did you, uh, when did you actually understand the business model of how it works and what kind of clients do you work with right now? Mm. Yeah, so started the agency a, li a little over two years now. I think we just passed mm -hmm. our two-year birthday, uh, where it was like official business. I was doing stuff on the side yeah. for a long time before that, but where I actually registered the business, picked the name, all that stuff. Uh, so we originally started off as like a full-service marketing agency, mm -hmm. and I think that spoke more to who I was at that time and and the scarcity mindset that I really had because I was a broke student who was willing to work hard, but I almost made things worse for myself by trying to be a full service agency because mm -hmm. naturally when you do that if you're doing everything you can't yes. be really good at any of those yeah, things 100 and also you if you if you're saying all these things you're gonna inevitably 
over promise and under deliver just because you're going to work yourself so thin. So I had one client, my first client, and I offered him so much stuff, but almost so much that he didn't even understand how much more I was giving than say a competitor would. Yeah. So he didn't even value it to what it was actually worth. So naturally he just got frustrated and stuff that it wasn't going the way that he thought it was, or I guess the way that I presented it, even though I was grossly underpaid at the time. So that was one thing that we've dramatically shifted away from is I'm never going to be a full service agency unless I partner with other people to make the team a lot bigger. I just don't think there's the the value there in terms of what you can spend or charge per client, the value that you can provide each client. So now we're far more specialists. We really only handle with a social strategy and execution from a paid and organic perspective. And in terms of clients, the second part of your question, we have a pretty diverse client base. Uh, We don't take on too many personal brands anymore simply because Mm -hmm. we found that historically, with a few exceptions, they typically don't have the budget to allocate for this. And a lot of times they want to operate on like a, like a, a model where they only pay you if it if it hits certain milestones and whatnot. And yes. where we are as business, like there's too much overhead and, and things of that nature to do that. Um, and if, if they don't have the budget now, they're probably still not going to have the budget later because uh, they, they don't have something to sell clearly, right? So they don't have the budget for that, so, which makes our effort not nearly as maximized. So mm-hmm. uh, we take on businesses, we take on brands, and then a few personal brands, but that's mm-hmm. more, more businesses and brands. Yeah. So... Uh... Uh, another question that I have uh, here is, uh, I mean, since 2017, I think uh, the notion of starting a social media marketing agency, it, it, it like really caught attention and a lot of people uh, started their social media marketing agency. And do you think that has a residual impact on the clients that you work with? I mean, they've worked with some previous clients that, have, that they've had bad experiences with. Does it, does it affect your relationship with the clients? I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. That is 100% accurate. Almost every client you're going to deal with has probably had an experience with an agency and probably a bad one. Uh, that's just because yeah. everyone saw this, and this is really Ty Lopez's fault. Like yes, Ty everyone Lopez, yeah. under Everyone under the sun was like, I can start a marketing agency. And I know tons of people who have started a marketing agency too. And I made a lot of the same mistakes at the beginning. Um, but so a lot of people just get into it they over promise again under deliver they don't know the skills and then they go in and try to get these clients and then the clients are running businesses and yes. that, that's their hard-earned money that they're giving these people and they're very mad and they're going to be very mm-hmm. skeptical that's where i've found the element of being a specialist has really come to play and also like my youtube channel is the biggest sales funnel you could possibly have for yes. getting clients uh because everyone trusts me they know me they like me so that i don't I don't ever have to sell. I don't have a single salesperson on staff because I don't have to. They're all inbound leads from the YouTube content. So the the effort that I put into video making, that really is like my lead generation tool. And that's basically my salesperson. But the best thing is I don't have to pay them any commission and they work while I'm sleeping. So that's that's where the biggest difference is. But yeah, if you ever start an agency, you're going to have to be prepared to deal with some people's previous trauma because chances are they've been screwed or maybe like they weren't even totally dissatisfied with what mm-hmm. the person did. Maybe a lot of the times I've taken on some clients where they didn't even know how badly they got ripped off. And that's yes. a very difficult thing to, to discuss because no one wants to feel like they got ripped off. These are competitive business owners. And, but sometimes you have to deal with the mess that the previous guy made. So being completely up, upfront and honest in a, a sensitive way is pretty important because sometimes I'll take on clients where they want me to handle their socials and the previous guy just absolutely or guy or girl or person whatever just yes. ruined their socials so then the expectations that these people have are not 
not so accurate to what's possible. And two, the expectations that I had set, I did that not knowing that someone had been in there and absolutely screwed everything up. So, and then I'd say it's all about putting out fires as soon as you can. So if you spot something, be open and transparent about it. And again, do so in a way that doesn't piss them off or offend them because the, Naturally, if you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner, these people are highly competitive and they don't like to be wrong. A hundred percent. And this is some powerful stuff right here. So another thing is, uh, when, when did you st exactly start on Instagram? Because right now, if, if you see the organic reach, I mean, unlike YouTube, Instagram is not a search engine. So the videos don't get ranked and get used over time. So when did you exactly start on Instagram? And do you think there's... Uh, a certain advantage to certain types of content on Instagram right now? Yeah. So uh, in terms to answer your question, I've been on Instagram for a few years now, but only taking my personal brand seriously for the past few months. Reason being is because I was still uh, in school and mm -hmm. when you're in university and whatnot, they, they always preach that you don't want to have a social media presence because it's going to, it could impair your jobs and whatnot. And I guess I took that too literally. And also I did have a, I had a real job after school for a few months and mm -hmm. I didn't, and they all followed me there. So I didn't want to have a, a very, very active personal brand that probably would have created some conflict. So um, I just started really taking my, my personal brand seriously, like the past few months. And I'll be going a lot harder on that moving forward. But I've been in the Instagram game for a long time, growing pages for businesses or theme pages, things of that nature. And so to that question of, is there a benefit for a certain kind of content? I think yes and no. Like good content is always going to work regardless of what niche that you're in. Just mm -hmm. obviously naturally through people being different, depending on what niche you're in, it's going to have a direct correlation to the size of that potential market, right? Mm -hmm. So like, great content in a very smaller niche, naturally it's going to produce a smaller audience simply because there's less people to serve, right? Yes. So uh, I think it really depends, but some, but some less competitive niches will monetize way better. So it's all completely relative. There still is absolutely an opportunity to grow on Instagram. I'd say it's mm -hmm. definitely it's definitely easier, and you can't do a lot of the things that previously used to work, like a lot of the spammy tactics, bots, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Yes, three four years ago, that stuff actually completely worked, and there was people running very big agencies just running mm -hmm. bots because it did work. Now it does not at all, and they can detect that kind of behavior. So there's still absolutely an opportunity. There will always be but it's going to take a lot more work and mm. uh, a lot more effort than it used to. So that'd yes. be my two cents on Instagram. And if it, the easiest thing to grow is going to be a theme page, that's for sure, because you can post so much more content on there yes. and Instagram loves those who feed the machine. It's mm -hmm. a content machine. They want as yes. much fuel as possible and they're going to reward the channels that continue to do that or the pages on a consistent basis. A hundred percent. So, Right now, uh, the thing that just came to my mind, I want to know your thoughts on this new uh, social media business model that has cropped up. What people are doing right now, and this is something a guy reached out to me and he explained this to me. They're offering giveaways, right? They're offering money to influencers. They're collecting money from different people. And then they're offering the money to the influencer to give away and then follow those people that the influencer is following. So do you think it is negatively affecting the personal brands of the people who are involved in this? Or uh, how do you think uh, it's... Uh, so I don't think it, it doesn't impact the influencer themselves. Like the one running the giveaway, they just make money and it doesn't really doesn't really affect yes. them. The, the people who buy into them, it's a terrible idea. It's an absolutely awful idea. And to prove that, I actually did it on my channel like a year, a, a page on my page like a year <laughs> ago. I bought into one and then uh, for the sake of a video, I got like 15, 16,000 followers from it. And I got less 
reach and less engagement on my post after I had that many followers than when I did when I had 16,000 less. Mm -hmm. So it's a very bad idea for a few reasons and it makes complete sense. When someone follows you, they're gonna help you if they're an active and engaged follower. Mm -hmm. The only way they're gonna become that is if they made the conscious decision to actually click that follow button themselves not, and they weren't pushed for no reason and they actually have a heavy interest in this content. They, they resonate with you. Mm -hmm. If they're just going there for the money, they're not there for you and they're not gonna interact with your content. Mm -hmm. And that's all gonna be negative feedback that Instagram receives, making your job more difficult moving forward. So people are so obsessed with that vanity number of number of followers. They wanna see that K so bad that they're willing to yes. absolutely sabotage their account just for that. So I would avoid loop giveaways like the plague. There's, they're awful for your account. They will diminish your reach. They will not help you to be honest with you and it's a total waste of time and money so uh i would say don't do them if you want proof go look at my video i did on them i think the title is like i ruined my account or something like that and uh okay. i actually went back and then deleted all of them so i had to go to remove fifteen thousand followers so, yeah i had to because the, mm -hmm. the the apps had been shut down for I, I thought there would still be a remove app but mm -hmm. they, they got rid of it so i had to go do it all manually yeah uh it might be a pretty tough job to do yeah, it was a lot of time. Yeah. So uh, coming to content, uh, in, in I, I want to know the distribution channels that you think are getting the most reach. If somebody wants to start on social media right now, uh, to like today, then which social network should they be going after and what type of content should they be producing? Yeah, so I, well, I think you should be everywhere uh, where I think you should mm -hmm. focus would be TikTok if you have it in your region. And then it would be, and then YouTube would probably be my number two. I just think that video goes so much farther. I, I find that it converts way better in terms of if you're selling something or if you're offering some sort of affiliate offer, I just find that it does yes. so much better. And these are also platforms that with video, like with when it comes to YouTube, the search engine elements make it something that you can learn and get better at and actually target things and do so strategically. And then TikTok, the organic reach there is just unlike anything else. And the benefit to creating for TikTok is that you can also repurpose it for Instagram Reels if you have that in your region. Mm -hmm. So that yes. way you're getting so much more runway for the effort that you're putting in and long-term uh, potential payoff for from both, ever, uh, from both platforms for different reasons. Mm -hmm. But that's where I would invest my time, especially the TikTok, because your opportunity to grow there is just so crazy for the little amount of effort that you do. So yeah. that's a big emphasis of mine now. Like I'm, I'm trying to, starting next week, I'm gonna to try to post at least a few times a day on TikTok because it yeah. just, it works right now. And eventually the well will run dry and we'll all yes. be wishing that we started earlier. Mm -hmm. And that happens with every single social media platform that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. It's just, the, it's just the, the business model, right? Like they yes. make it the place to be and then they slowly diminish it, the reach. Mm -hmm. Yes, makes sense. So uh, now coming on to some more, uh, let's uh, diving deep. Let's say you didn't discover the potential of social media and you didn't go into the social media game. You didn't start an agency. So what do you think, which industry you would be in and what would you be doing instead of the social media? Yeah. So I think I'd probably still be in some sort of marketing or sales environment. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I definitely, I've always been naturally drawn to dealing with people. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also like the, in the leadership capacity, like I was usually the one of the captains of my football team or hockey team as just something that I take, like I gravitate towards. I love leading people towards a common goal. So I'd say that's something that I would absolutely be doing. Like if you spoke to me before I really got serious and on social, I, yes. I would say that 
I'm going to start my own business in whatever capacity, or I'm going to become the CEO of another business. Like that was my yeah. mentality. Uh, and I think that's just because that's where my skills lie. I, th I think that uh, my EQ is probably higher than my IQ. Like I think mm -hmm. I'm a very good people person. I think that's important for the people in those positions. So uh, that's probably where I would have gone. And the field would be difficult to say which. It'd probably be some sort of marketing, uh, maybe probably mm -hmm. for a tech company. I'm very big on technology. Like I, I love, the, like I'm a huge Apple guy mm -hmm. or uh, things of that nature, yes. things that really enhance your life. Mm -hmm. And I don't love a ton of products. So if something really resonates with me, I know there's a reason for it. And I'm kind of a, a branding weirdo. Like I try to get deep down under the layers to understand why. And I'm really fascinated by all that stuff, like consumer uh, behavior, consumer psychology, all that stuff. So mm -hmm. it'd probably be running either brand marketing or running an organization like that. That's probably what I would do. Yes, makes sense. So coming on to my next question, what has been the worst piece of advice that you ever got? which seemed like that in the moment, but then later on, you realize that it was more of a, like a blessing to you. That's, so, so you're saying, what was the what was the advice that I thought was bad at the time, but it yes, ended up being good? exactly. Probably, I, I think it would probably be the people around me saying, don't quit football, like don't mm -hmm. stop that. And uh, I think it was because that was just a big, big part of me. And it, it did take a lot for me to actually quit that and focus on other mm -hmm. things, but I know that if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have the freedom that I have today, 100%. I wouldn't be making the money that I am today, and I wouldn't mm -hmm. have the opportunities that I have today. So mm -hmm. I'd say that it ended up being a blessing for me to quit football was because uh, it, it forced me to really dig deeper and find out what am I good at beyond a sport, right? Because it doesn't matter what, what sport you play. This is the problem with athletes is that we attach so much of our being to that sport, but it's a fleeting thing. Everybody has to stop playing at one point, but we get so focused in the now that we feel like that's never going to come. And then that's why there's so much depression. That's why there's so much bankruptcy in yes. pro, pro sports because they just hit this wall and they're like, well, what now? Their mm -hmm. whole ego, their whole identity was enrooted in this. So I think me being forced to do that at a younger age when I still had more of the social mm -hmm. platform of university and college, I think that was a big, big blessing in disguise to actually go out there and and really maximize that and maximize the things mm -hmm. that I tried. Because had I stayed in football, I just simply wouldn't have had the bandwidth or even the time to try these things. So I would have I would have loved to have started a few years before. Yeah. I would have been ahead, but but now I wouldn't have started until now. So I would have been four, another few years behind, and I would have been have such a bigger hill to climb. So that was probably the biggest blessing in disguise was uh, me just deciding to actually quit football, despite what a lot of people had said. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So now uh, coming on to some uh, specific questions. So what is your number one book that you'd recommend for anybody to get started in generally into marketing? What would be okay. that book? Um, influence would be that book. I can't even recall the exact author, but if you just, if you Google influence book, mm -hmm. it, it'll absolutely be there. That'd be my best one for marketing. Uh, Cause it's, it's all about influential psychology. And essentially that's what marketing is. Like, I think that's yes. where, uh, that's where pe it's by Robert. Know, I'm going to butcher this last name, but Caldini. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it, mm -hmm. but uh, it's all about influential psychology. And I think, Anybody who doesn't understand marketing, they just think it's pictures and words, right? They, yes. That's what they think it is. And there's a very ignorant view on it. Because I remember when I told people that I wanted to go into marketing, 
they're like, oh, that's actually the, the first thing that gets cut if there's ever yeah. uh, an economic downpour or whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah well, if you're not good, for sure. But mm -hmm. if you actually understand it, it's really influential psychology. There's so much more to it than just that. And influence mm -hmm. is really cool because it speaks on many different elements of uh, human behaviors and mm -hmm. how be, how actions and words and, and things presented in a certain way can take advantage or manipulate people's behavior based on their natural tendencies and what they just simply do instinctually. Because as much yeah. as people don't like to admit it, we are we are animals and we're not that far removed from pretty basic animals. So uh, a lot of our instincts are very deep rooted and they have not caught up to technology in the times that we live in. So that was a very cool book. I That's probably my favorite book I've ever read for the reason of not only the information that it provides, but everything is also backed by like a scenario and a case study. Mm -hmm. So it's not all fluff. And also one thing I love about that is that most books you read and, you're, and they're like 300 pages and you're like, that could have been said in 25. You know yes. what I mean? I didn't really 100%. find that with that book. So that's what I would say. And then if you struggle with people, I would say How to Win Friends and Influence People would be another book that I'd mm -hmm. highly recommend. I again, oh. I, I was always naturally drawn to people. So uh, like a lot of those things I didn't learn, but it was a great refresher. Yes. Whereas if you struggle with people, that will be something that will always hold you back. And if you have all the IQ and all of the hard skills, if you can equip yourself with the soft skills as well, that gives you an incredible unfair advantage to yes. really go to the next level because there's so many people that are like you that have the IQ, but they don't have the soft skills. So it really depends who you are, but influence and how to win friends and influence people would probably be my yes. two that I'd mention. Absolutely. And this is something that resonates with some, I think it was a documentary about Warren Buffett. And he said the best investment he ever made was enrolling himself in a Dale Carnegie course where he learned. Yeah people skills right and he wouldn't have been where he is without that without learning that right so yeah it's it's really really powerful so now i, I just have the short segment i'll be offering you uh three rounds two choices each round and you will have to choose one of them and give me a reason as to why you did so okay sounds good yes uh, so the first one living in a crowded city or living in countryside I, so I live in the suburbs right now in a town a little bit outside of Toronto. So I'd probably err more on the country as long as there's decent Wi-Fi. <laughs> That'd be my uh, two cents there. If there's not decent Wi-Fi, then I would go for the city. But I just, mm -hmm. I hate lines and I hate crowds that just mm -hmm. take more time. I just find yeah. that so inefficient and it, it really frustrates me. So I know that I would go mental in a really busy city because I just, I, I just hate inefficiencies of time usage. So uh, I'd opt for the uh, country. Mm, makes sense. So next is snowboarding or paragliding? Well, I, I'm a huge snowboarder myself. I love snowboarding. Mm -hmm. So, but I've never tried paragliding. So it's difficult to to, to say. I'd probably want to try paragliding because I've mm -hmm. done skydiving before and that was a ton of fun. So yeah. uh, if I were to pick one to do on a consistent basis, it'd probably be snowboarding because you can do it in more places. Yeah. But uh, paragliding sounds pretty cool, but I'll have to go with snowboarding because I, I know I like it. Mm. Makes sense. So the, the next one is, uh, if you could choose between a skill in general, would it be public speaking or copyright? What would that skill be? Which one would you start with? Mm. Well, so public speaking can be great, but if you don't have something to speak about, you're mm -hmm. not going to get the opportunity to speak. Mm -hmm. So I, in this scenario, I would rather be a great copywriter, become the best at it around. And mm -hmm. then that's going to give you the opportunity to actually go in front of and speak with people right on that yes. subject. And then through doing that, now that you have a, a topic to speak about, 
you can do this and this is what I did. Go approach as many places as possible offering to speak for free, saying I want to mm -hmm. come, I want to develop my skills Yes. because you have something to talk about, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd start with the copywriting or any sort of skill like that, mm -hmm. that you could transition to, because you can develop public speaking skills as something. Yeah. Absolutely. So I would say uh, go that route. It'll give you more opportunities down the line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. So the final question, and I'll end with this, who do you think has been the most influential person in, in contributing to you getting where you are right now? What would that one person, if you could tell us about it? Yeah, that'd probably be my mom mm -hmm. or my dad, but for very, very different reasons. My, uh, my mom is, has always been like hyper supportive. They always, uh, even if she was ignorant to something and she didn't understand it, she'd still say, Oh, Ben, you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Which I think helped a lot from a young age. Mm -hmm. The fact that, uh, she had that belief. And then my dad for the complete opposite reason is the fact that like, he was always like pushing, 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 yes. pushing, pushing so mm -hmm. much so that I always want to prove him wrong. Cause he'd say like, Oh, you can't do this. Or he wouldn't explicitly say it, but you could tell by his tone or, or the way that he would deliver yeah. things. He'd be like, Oh, I don't know if I fully believe in you mm -hmm. or you're, you're full of crap kind of thing. So, uh, I love to prove myself right. And both of those uh, people are reasons as to why, because uh, I like to prove myself right because he thought I couldn't. And then I like to prove mm -hmm. myself right to prove my mom right. So those would be okay. the two people that uh, were the most impactful for yeah, sure. So you had like a perfect balance of both of you, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 100%. For sure. So uh, uh, now uh, we've come to an end. And I really, really appreciate you taking time. Once again, yesterday we had an amazing chat. And today you uh, imparted some really, really good stuff. So I appreciate your time and I appreciate you coming on to the show. Thank of you. course, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks for, so much for having me. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this show. And, yes, and I'll be leaving the link down in the description to your Instagram. And yeah, yeah, no, I meant, I meant to your show. Everyone listening, make sure you subscribe to his show. Yeah, and, uh, appreciate and it, And five stars if you're listening in the podcast app. Thank you for tuning into this episode, guys. I really, really appreciate your time. And I hope you found this episode valuable. And if you did, then don't forget to comment down below what you thought and what things could I be improving from the future episodes. And with that said, I'll see you in the next episode.